0: Good morning. Do you know, um, three weeks today, I will have been a Christian for 57 years. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Um, I can't believe it, but it's been so good that 57 years ago, I started an adventure with God that's taken me all over the world. uh, And Spent a lot of time in Newcastle with God doing great things that He's as He's worked through me. So it's it's wonderful to be part of all that God is doing. Um, to this morning, I want to well begin this series of a theme simply Jesus, and uh, we're into the season of Lent, and uh, we're. Well, I've been asked to say a little bit about Lent, what we can learn, what's the purpose of Lent, what we can learn through it about God and ourselves, and how we can grow closer to God. Lent comes from an Anglo-Saxon word, "lecton," I think it is, means lengthening. It's the time of the year when the days grow longer. And for many Christians, Lent has also been a part of their spiritual life and practice, a 40-day period uh, beginnings on Ash Wednesday. I don't know whether you had your pancakes on Shrove Tuesday. Um, Ash Wednesday is the day when uh, they repent of sins and when they prepare their hearts for the Easter celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a time when people reflect, time of reflection, of self-examination, of repentance, of prayer, of fasting, and the other spiritual disciplines. I was looking on. website, a gardening website um, and it said use February to get yourself properly prepared for springtime. The following jobs will set you up for your best growing season yet. Firstly prepare your seed beds and it tells you what to do to do that. Check your tools are sound and your garden machinery is working. Give your tools and equipment a once over and apply a little TLC to anything that's needed and three blitz perennial weeds in your garden and kitchen garden. (coughs) Dig them up, root them all out, and so you get a head start on the little blighters, is what it says. Um, I love that. Um, do Do you know how you tell a genuine flower from a weed? Well, you grasp it strongly, and if it comes out in your hand, it's a genuine flower. It's just a little tip for you, um, but when I read that web page, I thought, "Well, this is what Lent is all about, and it's very relevant for us. It's about preparing for growth, and we, as a church, we're we're preparing for a spiritual harvest in our personal and church life as we join with our Father in the four areas that we uh, have been mentioned and we're we're looking at uh, the areas of compassion, creativity, children, and community." It's a time to check our relationship with God. To sharpen up the tools, the gifts that he has given us. And we want to blitz those sins, don't we? I love that thought. The little blighters. I mean, it sounds funny, but it's really serious because a blight is a disease. Sin is a disease that messes up our lives. So let's pray first. I'd like to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Um, Just as the longer days point to spring and seeds being sown, prepare us for a harvest. Holy Spirit, help us to dig down deeper into our faith roots and prompt us to break up the fallow ground of any coldness in our hearts towards you so that your living water can seep down deep into the center of our beings. Holy Spirit, we invite you to prune away any dead branches, so that we can bear fruit. You're welcome here this morning. Speak to our hearts, change our lives, in Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to read from Luke chapter four, verse thirteen verses, and, and this is about the temptation of Jesus, and. Before this, Jesus has been baptized and been filled with the Spirit and heard God confirming uh, his sonship. You are my uh, beloved son and his ministry. Verse 1 And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. That's an understatement, wasn't it? The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and i give it to whom and i give it to whom i will if you then will worship me it will be all yours and jesus answered him it is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve and he took him to jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of god throw yourself down from here For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And the next verse, which is not on the screen, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I noticed three words as I was reading that passage. Um, uh, The first, you're all experts in, well experienced in, but maybe not always successful in. That's the word temptation. Um, I suspect most of you have been tempted this morning already. Yeah, hands up. No, don't tell me. Um, and I will not ask you about whether you succeeded or not. Go, but, uh, and the other two words were Holy Spirit and fasting. Because they are vitally important when it comes to temptation. God can use even temptation as a tool for growth. Because temptation can teach us humility. Um, In temptation, we begin to realize how easily we can be drawn away from God and from his will. Even when we know how harmful sin is, we still desire to give in to temptation. Much of the time, don't we? Maybe you're not like me. Do you have a godly discontent? Because I do. I have a discontent that temptation beats me sometimes. And I don't want that. I feel like Paul who said, For I for what I do is not the good I want to do, no the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. And he says, What a wretched man I am. And sometimes I feel like that. I hope you feel like that. I hope you have that godly discontent. Temptation will reveal our heart. We love God, but not all of the time if we're real. We love God, but we also love our clothes and our cars and our books and our television and our jobs and so many other things, don't we? Learn the things that tempt you most and work on them. Temptation can also show the genuineness of our faith and strengthen us. We trust God and we come through temptation and our faith grows. Jesus faced three temptations. I'm not going to go into detail on them, but you will see from the passage that the devil offers Jesus nothing that wasn't already in his power. What the devil asks Jesus to do is to forget whose child he is. He says, if you are the Son of God. He wants him to forget that. He wants him to forget what his purpose and his mission is. It's just after his baptism this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Pleased because Jesus had chosen the route to the cross. And Jesus knows what he's come for but the devil is trying to convince him that he can get essentially the same things in a supposedly easier way. Which is the same with us. We want to choose the easy way. So the first temptation is about the spiritual versus the material. Jesus is starving with hunger No one to help them. Why not try out this new power of the Spirit that's in him? Use your spiritual power to satisfy a desire of the flesh. Jesus refuses to live for his own appetite. He was led to fast. The Spirit led him to fast. The Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted. He will follow God's will. That is his appetite. Where does the will of God Come in your appetite. The spiritual versus the material. The way of compromise was the second temptation. He chose the easy way to own the kingdoms of the world. Satan showed them all to him and said, You can have them all if you'll just bow down and worship me. Um, Temptation to avoid the suffering and the cross. The way of compromise. Just bow to Satan and everything will be fine. And then the third one is the lure of the spectacular. Satan offered Jesus a quick solution for him to gain a big following. Do something spectacular. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple and all scripture promises you'll be okay. He lied about that. He didn't quote the scriptures properly. And Jerusalem, he says, would see Jesus descending down from heaven as the Jews expected the Messiah to come. The lure of the spectacular. We need to be aware of Satan's schemes. He chooses opportune moments. You know, when you're on a spiritual high, Like Jesus, just after his baptism, being filled with the Spirit. You know, uh, I think he's a church father. Jerome said, Baptism does not drown the devil. Like that. Baptism does not drown the devil. And uh, those of you who are being baptized soon remember that. You may be baptized, but the devil will still be there to tempt you afterwards. And Satan mixes truth with lies to deceive us. He lies about his ownership of the kingdoms that he would wanted Jesus to give to Jesus. They're only temporarily his. God promises in Psalm 2 that that Jesus would have the kingdoms. And Satan offers pleasures, but he keeps quiet about the inevitable pain. Yeah, Jesus could have bowed down to Satan uh, and he would gain the kingdom. But Satan doesn't mention the cost of that. You lose your father. Your mission is ruined. How to overcome temptation. Um, there's a number of things. Some of them I'm going to mention and go into in a bit of detail. Others not. Spend time with God. Do I need to say that? If you're spending time with God regularly, your, your mind your, your mind is being molded in the things of God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Time with God means that God will be with you. Be filled with the Spirit. I think this is vital. That's why Jesus went full of the Spirit into into temptation and came through it. I love in John 14, 26, where Jesus is called the the counselor or a comforter or an advocate is one of the words that's used. It says, but the counselor or the advocate whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. An advocate is a, a lawyer who comes to your defense, who speaks for you. And the Holy Spirit pleads God's cause in our hearts when we are tempted. He comes alongside like a good friend and says, look, don't do that. That's not, that's not a wise decision you're making or thinking of making. And he points us to Jesus and the cross. He says, do you really want to sin? I wonder, have you heard the voice of the advocate pleading in temptation? He says, you can't do that anymore. When you feel weak, he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The Holy Spirit speaks, and he speaks about Jesus. You know, a floodlight lights up a building to make it look good. We don't look at the floodlight, we look at the building. And the Holy Spirit puts the floodlight on Jesus, on the beauty of Jesus, so much that he changes our lives. It's simply Jesus. And do you know, when I was preparing this sermon, I think it was yesterday, I was wandering around the house thinking about it, and um, I started humming a tune, and I thought, what is this tune? What is this tune? And eventually I realized what it was, and it was an old hymn I learned when I was a child. Yield not to temptation, For yielding is sin. Um, I mean, amazing. How amazing. I had forgotten that hymn totally. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue. Um, Look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. I mean, that's a a hymn that, that just I'd forgotten about and yet God spoke it into my heart and it's got the whole way of handling salvation in it. Um, The chorus has asked the Savior to help you. I've forgotten it. Asked the Savior to help you. I can't remember it. Um, But yeah, it's there. And it just came as a little prod. That's what the, the Holy Spirit does. He will prod you and speak to you. And not only do we have an advocate within, we have an advocate in heaven. John 1 John 2 verse 1 says if anybody does sin this is when you give in to temptation he says we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense Jesus Christ the righteous you know we are going to fail in temptation at times but Jesus is at the right hand of God there are nail pierced hands in the presence of God and Jesus says look I've died for John. I've taken his sin upon myself. And that's the wonder of Jesus. He speaks on our behalf before the Father. He knows our weakness and he cares. It's simply Jesus. He assures us we are children of God. I hate the barrage of ads that face us on television and the internet and wherever you go. And it interrupts good programs so often. Nine times out of ten, though, the goal of such ads is to create in us a sense of lack or inadequacy. And then it's followed by this implicit promise that purchasing the advertised product will relieve our insecurity. Don't believe it. It's a lie. It's what Satan does. What he said to Jesus. If you are the son of God. He tries to sow a seed of doubt. Are you really the Son of God? And he does that with you and me. If, two-letter word, that can take us from a place of security into a place of uncertainty and doubt, and from doubt to temptation. If you are the Son of God, the voice of temptation, urge Jesus and urges us to question our relationship with God The Holy Spirit comes alongside to assure us that we are God's children. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. It's simply Jesus. Another wonderful provision for us. Let me... I had my hair cut this week. You notice? (laughs) Um, And... Yeah, I I mean... I was... Thinking, I was reminded of how glad I am that I am a child of God, and how despairing I might be in this, you know, how despairing I might be in this Ukrainian war situation, uh, and I'm aware of that. It's, you know, it's here in us at the moment. And well, I went to get my hair cut the man in the chair getting his hair cut before me, and there's a man in the office. Uh, two, two men getting their hair cut, and one was spouting out all the gloom and doom about this war, and, and what was going to happen, and what Putin was going to do next, and he was talking about nuclear bombs, and he was talking the horrors of dying from radiation sickness, and all the other stuff that was going to happen, and My barber, um, or she's female, she'd be a barber, uh, (laughs) ah, was was getting quite upset and worried and worked up about all of this. She said, this world, she says, it's people that are the problem. She says, they're always messing with it. It's pollution they've created, that's people, and it's global warming's their fault, and it's now this war. Why can't we just leave the world to the animals? When they had it, it was perfect. We should get rid of humans and give it all back to the animals. That was her little sermon. And then she went on. She said, I'm going to get online when I get home, and I'm going to order some gas masks. And then I'm going to buy some of those iodine tablets to protect me and my family from radiation. And then she said, I'm going to buy some sleeping tablets, and myself and my kids will eat them and die together. And she was just fearful, fearful. And then she just looked down at me and she said, John, are you afraid to die? Are you afraid to die? And, you know, I thought, what must it be like to live in this kind of situation in the world and not know hope about death? How awful not to have a faith in a wonderful Saviour like Jesus who is working out his good purposes from the throne of heaven and who has a future and a hope for us Christians. So I was able just to say to her, I have no fear of dying. I may not like how I die, but I have no fear of dying. I said, it would be wonderful to be with Jesus. and I'll be in a new creation with no sin and no sickness and no pollution and all the rest. And how true. And then she carried on on another topic. (laughs) But yeah, it's, and maybe there's somebody watching this or listening here today, and you have a fear about death. And you know, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. He wants to be your friend in life and beyond life forever. I'm going to pray a prayer and if you want to pray along because Jesus died for your sins and you can ask his forgiveness and receive him into your life today and know that you're his his child. So let's just all close our eyes and if you want to pray this prayer just quietly in your heart, please do that. Dear God, thank you for your great love in sending Jesus to die for my sins. I confess that I've turned away from you and deserve your condemnation but now I trust in Jesus and his death on the cross as the only way by which I can be right with you please forgive me and give me your Holy Spirit to strengthen me to serve you to the end of my life And then take me to live with you in your wonderful new creation forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, Please let someone know. If you're here today, talk to Dave or Nicola or myself, just let someone know. I think there might be some material over on the table there that you can pick up that will help you. We have an alpha course which will help you discover more about Jesus. It might be worth getting involved in. And we have life groups too that will help you to grow in your faith. Jesus, next in terms of conquering temptation, Jesus equips us with powerful gifts. The gift of discernment, the gift of the Spirit, helps us to sort out the devil's lies from God's truth. The gift of tongues is a gift of praise that will strengthen us. Use that gift when you're being tempted. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the words of Jesus. Scripture that you've learned, he can bring to mind. If you haven't learned it, he can't bring it to your mind. It's the same with exams. He won't tell you the answers to the questions if, not, you know, if they're not in your head already. Um. But remember that, Um, he reminds us of the words of Jesus. So how do we overcome temptation? Well, because of the Spirit's presence in us, he serves as a living, abiding, empowering resource constantly in us that gives us the unlimited power of Jesus himself to live the godly life that our Father wants you to live. Simply Jesus, it's all about him. Overcome temptation. Spend time with God. Be filled with the Spirit. Be armed with the Scripture. Jesus quoted Scripture in every temptation, and and uh, Paul says in Ephesians, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word is powerful when you're tempted. We need to be memorizing Scripture. It's, it's difficult, but I'm so glad that I learned a lot of Scripture when I was at Sunday school. Two or three verses every week, we had to repeat them. And, and in the end, you, learn, you said a whole chapter. And there's chapters that I used to be able to say in the authorized version. And now it's harder. I'm getting older. But it's not too difficult. And I'm still trying to learn Scriptures. And I encourage you to do that. Maybe we should have a, a, a Scripture Memory Life group. Wouldn't that be good? Hands up for that. Well, we actually, we've got a few there. Um, yeah, that would be good to do. Uh, fourthly, praise. Count your blessings. Appreciate all you have from God. Be thankful. Be full of praise. I, I, this, well, two weeks ago it was now, I was feeling this one day and, and God just prodded me to make a list of all the people who had influenced my life. So I sat down in my journal. I wrote them out page after page. And I just looked at it, some of your names are on there. People have influenced me. I just thank God and praised Him for that. And it's really good because when you think a bad thought about one of you that are on that list, I think, oh no, they've been such a blessing to me. I don't think bad thoughts about you. Um, but yeah, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul lists all the blessings that. That the Israelites experienced in coming out of Egypt and being led in the desert. Supernatural guidance and deliverance and manna. It was miraculous. A leader like Moses who was able to do miraculous things. Water from the rocks and all. Just so many blessings. And yet they still sinned. Count your blessings and and remember them. Fasting. Fasting. Let me read uh, Matthew chapter 9. I'm not going to say very much about it. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on on an old garment, For the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skin bursts, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Fasting in Jesus' day was really largely about mourning their sinfulness, their loss of God. Uh, and the disciples didn't fast because the presence of God was with them. Jesus, the Son of God, was right there with them. It would be like them going, like you going to a wedding, and, uh, and you are sitting in the, at the table around the reception. This beautiful meal is presented in front of you, and the bridegroom comes along. and Says, "Are you enjoying the food?" And you say, oh, "I'm fasting. Not the right time to do that." The disciples will fast when the bridegroom is taken away. After the resurrection, Jesus was taken up to heaven. And Jesus says new wine needs new fasting. We are not mourning our sin and longing for deliverance from sin and danger. We don't mourn over our own sin. We take it to the cross, don't we, and deal with it. We can mourn for the sin of the world, for the godlessness of our nation, for the situation in Ukraine. We can mourn before God and weep before him and plead with him for that. But for ourselves, we take it to the cross and receive forgiveness. You see, now the bridegroom Jesus has been and he struck the decisive blow against sin and Satan and death. Does fasting defeat Satan? No. That's Old Testament Jesus has defeated Satan. Amen. It's simply Jesus. And our fasting is now a longing for fullness for the kingdom of God. You know, we have received Jesus. We've been forgiven. We've received the Spirit. A master chef at the end of a session they they always look at the people who are going through to the next round. And one of the things they say is, I can't wait to taste what he will cook or she will cook. What we tasted in this session has been so good. I'm really looking forward to the, the next one, next meal they produce. We can say today, I've tasted Jesus and he is so good. And there's going to come a day when I'll be face to face with him. I can't wait for that come into all that he has for us i've tasted his presence it's so wonderful we have the first fruits of the spirit but there's more paul says i'd prefer to be absent from the body and at home with the lord to depart and be with christ which is better by far we've tasted we know there's more do you have a hunger for that for more of jesus what dulls your appetite for dinner Well, it's eating sweets in the afternoon. You tell your kids no sweets, you'll you'll not eat your dinner. And I have to apologize, but I had bought a Milky Way for each one of you because Milky Way is a sweet you can eat before meals. Do you remember that? And I brought you one, they're all sitting at home. So if here next Sunday, you'll get a Milky Way, (laughs) if I remember. But nibbling at the table of the world dulls your appetite for God. That's the truth. Jesus told a story of people who were invited to a banquet in Luke 14. And some of them didn't turn up. Why? Because I bought a piece of land. And that's really nice. Or I've got a new ox. I'm really excited. (laughs) I can't imagine it. Well, I can, yes. My grandfather had cows. Uh, Or I just got married. I can identify with that. You might want to go for a meal if you just get married. But it kept them away from the banquet. And the greatest barrier to love of God is not his enemies. It's actually his gifts. The good things he's given us. The pleasures of life in the parable of the sower. The desire for other things. What is your main hunger? What is your main hunger? Fasting is a weapon in the fight of faith that reveals the level of our hunger for God. Am I so hungry for God that I will say no to that temptation? It reveals the Milky Way that we've been eating when God wants to provide spiritual manna, real food in Jesus. Fasting helps you discover your spiritual resources to make a choice. God's food or the world's food, the Milky Way. Fasting glorifies God. You know, God can use it for good purposes to transform our lives. So there we have it. The last thing is look for God's emergency exit. 1 Corinthians 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's a great promise. If you want to start learning scripture, there's the first verse to start learning. A little girl was asked if Satan ever tempted her to do wrong. And she said, oh yes. But when he knocks at the door of my heart, I just pray, Lord Jesus, please go to the door for me. And she was asked, what happens then? Oh, everything turns out all right. When Satan sees Jesus, he runs away every time like that. In her simple faith, that little girl realized that even the strongest Christian is no match for the devil. Only Jesus has defeated him. So we must be strong in the Lord. It's simply Jesus. Amen.